And so to farewell another giant of research who died on September the 22nd. This tribute is from Professor Rachel Ankeny in Adelaide. Last week brought the sad news from Cambridge of the death of the science studies scholar Evelyn Fox Keller at the age of 87. Keller is internationally recognized for her contributions to debates about gender and science and other deeply ingrained concepts on scientific practices. Keller was born Evelyn Fox and raised in Queens in a working-class family of Jewish immigrants. Her interests in math were encouraged by her older brother Maurice, who was an early convert to molecular biology. Her political activity was influenced by her older sister, the sociologist Frances Fox Piven, known for her integration of political theory with social reform. Keller also credits a few remarkably dedicated and devoted teachers in the New York City public school system. Keller's initial focus was psychology, but she changed her undergraduate major to physics as it built on her aptitude for math. She enrolled at Harvard Grad School in theoretical physics. She later described her experiences there as a time of almost unmitigated provocation, insult, and denial. She recounted open and unbelievably rude laughter with which she was often received. Harvard proved to be painful and unsettling, she wrote. Keller became interested in the new field of molecular biology during a visit to her brother at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. The young molecular biologists there treated her like a queen, she said, and encouraged her to convert to their field. Following lab work for Frank Stahl, she shifted her topic, receiving her Ph.D. in 1963 from Harvard for a dissertation on the expression of genetic information in phage. Initially, Keller taught physics. Then she shifted to a new program in mathematical biology and made important contributions to the understanding of slime mold aggregation. She often was not recognized by other scientists as the author of these works, E.F. Keller, as they assumed that person to be a man. The 1970s exposed her to the women's movement, and she taught her first course in women's studies in 1974 and also wrote her first essay on women's studies at that time. Keller was an intellectual nomad, a wanderer, as she termed it, teaching or taking up fellowships at a variety of universities, but more importantly, in diverse departments, ranging from rhetoric to mathematics to history and philosophy of science and women's studies. She spent the most time at MIT, where she got a tenured position in 1992 in the program in Science, Technology, and Society as a professor of history and philosophy of science. This is the position from which she ultimately retired. She recounted in her recent memoir that she often faced resentment and hostility at MIT. She continued to meet resistance throughout her career from academics who sought to enforce disciplinary boundaries, as seen in the rumored vote by the History of Science Society's Women's Caucus to boycott her keynote address in the early 1990s because she was not an historian of science. Her most well-known publications are her books, including Reflections on Gender and Science, published in 1985. This book was amongst the earliest to address the so-called women in science issue and discuss the 17th century institutionalization of science that led to it being demarcated as a male pursuit and requiring purely objective inquiry. Keller posed a difficult question. What would it mean for science if scientific thought was not commonly associated 
with masculinity and objectivity. Keller's book aims to show that feeling and reason are both human traits that should not be ascribed based on gender. As she later put it, I'm not saying that women will do a different kind of science. I am saying when there are more women in science, everybody will be free to do a different kind of science. In 1992, Keller received a fellowship from the MacArthur Foundation, more commonly known as a Genius Grant. When Keller won the Israeli Dan David Prize in 2018, she publicly donated the monetary award to the anti-occupation organization B'Tselem, the Association for Civil Rights in Israel and Physicians for Human Rights, in line with her long-standing dedication to working for an end of what she felt was the Israeli occupation of Palestine and just peace. To her last conscious moment, she's reported to have remained cheerful and intensely interested in the state of the nation and the world, and in the problems of those around her, which right up to the end she was trying to fix, as she always was. My own intellectual trajectory was heavily shaped by Evelyn, whose work I had edited in the late 1980s. When I later called her up and described my interests, she enthusiastically said, that field is called history and philosophy of science, and you should look into graduate programs focused on it. You'll like it. And for this advice, I am eternally grateful. Keller's work inspired many scholars to develop more sophisticated accounts of the role of subjective factors in scientific practices and to question our assumptions about fundamental concepts in science. As she put it, there is no magic lens that will enable us to look at, see nature unclouded, uncolored by any values, hopes, fears, anxieties, desires, goals that we bring to it. Appropriately enough, a workshop celebrating Keller's work that had been long planned took place at the University of Toronto on the very day that she died, with a recorded talk by her given at the start. She hated missing out on any debate or discussion, and even in death, her voice clearly can be heard in our field. And so I will give Keller the last word here. It is a fantasy that any human product could be free of human values. And science is a human product. It's a wonderful, glorious human product. Rest in peace, Evelyn. Professor Rachel Ankeny at the University of Adelaide with that tribute.